0: Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Before I introduce my podcast guests, as I've been mentioning in the past, the things that you can do to help the podcaster, go to iTunes and rate the podcast and leave a review. I read those and I really appreciate that. The other thing you can do to help um, our efforts to bring more understanding to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints is to buy my book, um, at Amazon and Desert Book, and also to leave a rating there. That really helps the Desert Book rating and the Amazon rating. So I appreciate anything you can do in that area. You can't donate to the podcast, it's just a labor of love, but you can do those things. It's Sunday as we're reporting this pot, recording this podcast, and we just got at a testimony meeting. And I love the testimony a member of our ward shared. He said, you know, what should we be known for as Latter-day Saints? And he said, we believe in love. And I just love that testimony because I look at if we really own our restored doctrine and the beauty of heavenly parents that love us, and we're all the same human family that have all come from the same heavenly parents, and it gives us a doctrinal foundation to love everybody. And I love Elder um, Cook's quote, quote, Unity and diversity, and that's a little bit what this podcast is about. Is we don't just have people that are exactly the same as us on the podcast. We have people that are different than us, and pers- and just I don't mean different in a negative way, but there's just differences in the human family. So that's kind of a lead into my guest today is my friend Jordan Jas- Jasmer, who is I'm going to share his story as a gay Latter Day Saint, and I'll give a little bit of a bio. Jordan is 27. He'll turn 28 in April of 2021, so he may be 28 by the time you're listening to this podcast. He's a return missionary from Brazil. He's attending Weber State in family studies. Jordan came out to his parents shortly after his mission and um, has just been walking this road as a gay Latter-day Saint. Jordan will talk about his journey to date women and how that went for him and then he'll talk about um, his plans now to marry a man and to stay active in the LDS church. He um, loves the church and wants to participate as much as he's able, and he wants to spend his life with a partner, and he's gone down this road of dating women and has kind of come to the realization that that's not going to work for him or the women he's dating. And so we're just sharing stories here. I'm not trying to create a correlated narrative. This is how it works for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. I'm just trying to provide a platform where um, people can share their stories so all of us can better know how to support, understand, and help people as they make their way forward. Is that okay for an introduction, Jordan? That's great. That's, and I haven't turned Jordan's mic on yet, so let me do that right now. There, it's good thing we didn't go the whole podcast. with how was how that for an introduction, Jordan? It's great. Thank yeah. you. It's a good thing I looked over at my soundboard here, listeners. That would have been <laughs> a very boring podcast. Um, just really appreciate you being on the podcast, um, Jordan. Talk about your. Dis- I'm going to pick this up before your mission. Did you know you um, had attraction towards men, and if you did, did you talk to anybody about that
1: before my mission? I never talked to anyone. Um, It was something I kept to myself. Uh, Throughout high school, I dated women and I didn't really have much of this pressure to date women or to get in a serious relationship with anyone because, you know, high school was a time to just, you know, date and enjoy those times meeting new people. And I really didn't put too much thought into dating men at the time, but I did have a lot of like these thoughts going through my head, but, you know, I did my best to ignore them and um, didn't see it as much of a problem at the time.
0: That seems like a typical story is that, you, you know, just that men and women before their mission are aware of this and Listeners, I don't really remember if I mentioned this, but Jordan's created a series of videos that he has been sharing on YouTube. 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 Tell our listeners where to find those videos. We'll link for it in the podcast description, but go ahead and tell our listeners how to find those.
1: I, um, I believe I just my YouTube name is just Jordan Jasmer. Um, if you type in gay and Mormon, my coming out story, that should pull up my first video. And these videos are, you know, here to help those that are in my situation who want to be active in church but may be struggling with, you know, these um, these feelings and want to know how to work with them while being an active Latter Day Saint.
0: It's good. So we will link to um, Jordan's videos, and I encourage you to. Listen to those. I've listened to a couple. Jordan, tell our listeners you served your mission in Brazil. Tell our listeners the name of the mission. And then I think you're from Leighton. And then you, this is like a three part question. Then tell our listeners your decision to come out to your parents shortly after your mission. All
1: right. Um, So I served in the Brazil Brasilia mission. I served from 2012 to 2014. And on my mission, was when I first came out, like the first person I came out to was my mission president because I had, well, I went through a phase where I was just very depressed and I needed to talk to somebody. And I had an interview with my president and, you know, he was worried, but he wanted to know if there was anything he could do. And, you know, wanted to know, like, if I had done anything at that point. And, you know, I told him, I was like, well, I haven't. I just have these feelings and haven't done anything with them. And from there, he um, just showed me love and just made sure that he was there for me. And, you know, after that, um, you know, I had come out to one or two other people on the mission. And I mentioned one of these people in my, in one of my videos, and this was a companion that had become like a brother to me then, but then coming home from my mission, um, it was about a week or two being home. I knew I needed to tell my parents and I couldn't go to bed that night before, without telling them, I remember they were already in bed and I went into the room woke them up and i pulled out a talk this talk was kind of my way of letting people know that hey i'm gay and it was a talk from um elder anderson from the october 2012 conference and in there you know he talks about a friend of his who has same sex attraction and You know, I went over this little, um, just this area that he had talked about his friend and I used that to come out to my parents. And, you know, they were both kind of like my mission president. They were worried. They didn't, they don't know exactly what to say, but they knew they wanted to help and help me figure this out. And, you know, like me for the longest time, I thought, you know, I could get rid of this these feelings by going on a mission, but you know that mission didn't do that. In their heads, you know, they thought that maybe with some therapy, that maybe like I'd be able to cut this trial out of my life. And well, as you can tell, it didn't quite work that way.
0: What caused? You, it sounds like your parents did a good job on and- and credit to you for having the courage to come out to your mission president sounds like even some companions and your parents and that takes so much courage it's why did you want to come out to your parents
1: um it's because i knew this was something that i couldn't do by myself anymore i'd been holding these feelings in for the longest time and you know before my mission it was just me by myself trying to understand it and i knew Doing it by myself wasn't gonna get me anywhere, and so I went and I seek help from them. It's
0: good. I think parents generally can be really helpful. I know there are stories where parents aren't, but I think LDS parents and and parents of other faiths are doing better to support their LGBT kids, especially as we realize that this is something you chose, Jordan, and can somehow unchoose through therapy or through prayer Mm -hmm. and this is just part of who you are and I think as parents realize that they're able to develop more empathy and more compassion and more understanding for the unique road you're walking and and put their arms around you and help you as you make your way forward and I don't think you're meant to go do this alone some listeners out there may be doing this alone and that may be working for you and that's fine there should be no pressure to come out Just because Jordan's come out, and I guess all our guests by default have come out because they're on the podcast, but there may be some of you that just feel like it's not your journey to come out, and I think that's okay. But I think it does help to come out and have other people love you and support you and not have to hide this from people that you love. Um, Just keep telling your story. I assume if I'd met you the next morning, you came out to your parents. Your plan was to marry a woman. Yes, so tell us a little bit about that journey that's been going on for several years
1: yeah, so twenty fourteen you know, I told them, you know, don't worry about me, like I still wanna be active in church, still wanna marry a woman. That's my end goal like you I can promise that that's what I want. I've assured them of that over and over. And, you know, over that following year, I also came out to the rest of my family one by one to each of my siblings. And
0: tell our listeners how many siblings you have.
1: So I am number 11 of 12 kids. That's great. And surprisingly, like I've gotten support from each and every one of them and, you know, they all have, you know, different backgrounds, but they all, the one thing that they all have in, in common is the love that they have for me and you know for my family and I know that I lucked out with having so many supportive family members unlike many other LGBTQ brothers and sisters who don't get that so that's one thing that I will always be grateful for um, so yes. Um, to continue, I dated women from then and, and I, you know, had gone on multiple dates with many wonderful women over the next few years. And I even got to a point where I found myself engaged to a woman who was someone that I thought I was going to marry. We had a really good relationship. We had been together for almost a year and I had come out to her, you know, a few weeks into our relationship and she was very supportive about it and wanted to make it work. No, I got engaged to her about nine months after that. And the day of the engagement was one of the best days my life. And at that point it was the best day of my life. And because I was, had the full support from all my siblings, all my friends, and I felt like I was doing the right thing. And I felt that I was just, I was on the right path. And over the next month I found myself just having these really nerve wracking feelings enter into my head where I thought, I don't know if I can make this work. And, you know, I didn't think too much on those because I was like, well, you know, you know what? Um, People get nervous before they get married. So this must just be a normal thing. And I won't worry too much about that. And over the next couple of months, I found these feelings turning into something darker and more negative. And I started having really bad emotions and feelings towards you know my fiance and i had no more desire to get married to her and i knew i couldn't go into marriage feeling that way and so 3 weeks before the wedding i called it off and you no know, to this point has been the hardest decision that i've made because it was heartbreaking for me it was heartbreaking for her and for both of our families and all of our friends.
0: Do your families know each other?
1: Yes, they do. And, um, you know, we, I still have a good relationship with her and, you know, every once in a while I even hear from her parents who will, you know, every so often send me a text. It's cool. Yeah. And after all this heartbreak and the next over the next year was probably one of the darkest years that I've had. I didn't know where I was going in life. I, everything that I had planned out was put on pause and didn't seem like it was going to resume anytime soon. And I found myself just, um, constantly fighting myself with all right, what do I do now? Do I keep dating women? Do I start dating guys? But I couldn't get myself the date guys at this point because it just wasn't something that falls in line with the church, and i I had points in my life where I had... Uh, inflicted self-harm and
0: define self-harm for our listeners just so they understand
1: so i've always dealt with depression and i've always i have suicidal thoughts like many who have depression and i got to a point where i wanted some of this pain to go away i never had any intentions of killing myself, but I wanted some type of relief from what I was feeling in the moment. And so I, um, so I cut myself and, but in, in places that people couldn't see because I didn't want people to be worried. I didn't want people to question it. And I, I last thing I wanted was to see a therapist for that, and um, I—I don't—I was in a point where I wanted God to take me, but I didn't want to do it myself. I was just hoping, like one day, I'd go to sleep and then not wake up, um, and. From there, it was just, it, it 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 was a constant battle with these thoughts from the time that I had broken it off with my ex until you know year or so after that.
0: And this kind of went down in the summer of 2017. So yes, <clears throat> roughly three and a half, nearly four years ago.
1: Yeah. So after that, like. I know a lot of stress had built up from this and I had actually gotten sick because I had come down with ulcerative colitis and that tends to come from stress. And that really was another setback in my life. And you know, but at this point I was still... Very on. I was on. At this point, I was on the fence of do I date men? Do I date women? What do I do? Do I stay single the rest of my life? Do I stay celibate? I, at this point, I was, I was like, maybe I could do the celibate thing, but it didn't really seem like an option I wanted. And um, after that, you know, I had gone out to Florida for about nine months. My brother lives out there and he had wanted me to come visit him. And while I was out there, I knew like this time I would take, you know, getting out of Utah, some new scenery. And I thought, well, maybe I'll finally figure out what I need. And from there, I, you know, I had tried going on a couple of dates with women out there and I was just getting to a point where I was getting tired of it. I was just like, I don't know how long I can play this game with myself. You know, I know the whole process. I find a girl that I feel like I'm interested in. And then not long after that, you know, she may show interest and then I back off because I'm scared. And I was really tired of this process. And um, I remember there was one moment on my mission that kind of really made me question a lot of things. Or not on my mission, but like when I was out in Florida. Um, I had a meeting with the stake president. And it was about, you know, renewing my temple recommend. And... I hadn't been paying my tithing at the time and I you know went into this thinking that you know I'll just answer the questions be honest and you know leave with my temple recommend but my tithing kind of slowed that process down and he told me that I couldn't get my tith- temple recommend then and it really made me think from there like okay so now that i can't go to the temple like what am i going to do like what am i really going to try working towards that again or am i going to or am i going to use this time to figure myself out and you know i i ultimately ended up choosing to just not pay my tithing and i ended up coming back home to utah not long after that. And it was probably a month or two after being home, I decided like, okay, now that I don't have like this um, need to go to the temple or any of that, I I ultimately decided that I was going to try dating guys. So this was summer of 20... 19. Yeah. And I started going on dates with guys. And in my head, I still wanted to find someone that, you know, at least had some similar background or had the intentions of staying in the church because that's, you know, still what I wanted. And for the first couple of months of dating guys, I was still going to church, and I told my bishop like, "Hey, like, this is what I'm doing," and you know, he was like, "All right, well," without any judgment, he asked me how my dates were going, and, um, yeah. Anyways, so after that, with the multiple guys I would go on dates with, I found it harder and harder to find anyone with the intentions of being active in church or who even had um, an interest of being with someone who wanted to go to church. You know, most of these men that I would talk to, the second I told them that I was an active LDS member, like, you know, they stopped talking to me. And over the next while, I found myself kind of lowering my own standards because I was like, well, if they're not going to change, I mean, I might as well change for them. And so I got myself, um, I found myself doing things that I would have never imagined myself doing before. And, you know, a year before that, if I had told you like I'd be dating guys, I wouldn't have believed myself on top of, you know, everything else that was going on. Um, and, you know, I ended up getting a couple of tattoos as well. And, well, I had been, promiscuous as well and you know it wasn't until this last summer when I did meet a guy that was or is active in church and when I had met him like my mindset was in a really dark place I had changed myself for a community that wouldn't have accepted me otherwise, because I thought to be a part of this community, I couldn't have a relationship with the church, even though deep down I still wanted to be part of the church. I, it wasn't something I vocalized, And you know, when I found this guy and found out that he was active, it kind of like surprised me. And it was just like, oh yeah, like that's, that's what I'm looking for. And anyway, so I ended up going back to church and I stopped all of the activities that I had been doing and was kind of putting my life back together. And, you know, this guy came in and really just like cleaned up everything that I had going on. and he he got me going back to school and he got me into the job that i want to be in now because before then i had been in a job that i didn't really love but stayed because it was good money but i've in the last few months i've really just come to know who i am and what i want out of life and you know this in this this guy, uh, we've been we've been dating for about five months, and and we broke up a few months ago, and and this time it's just... I have felt like this is the first time I've ever felt this type of emotion for someone to that degree, and I feel those emotions aren't um validated by a lot of members because they feel uh, oh, like, you know, you have feelings for a guy, oh, that's, you know, that's just sin. That's just something that you know you'll get over and you just have to repent about that. And you know, those things will go away. And you know, in this time of like understanding these emotions, is like these emotions are real. And something I hope that you know everyone can come to understand more and more because the hardest part of coming out to anyone was the idea of them looking at me differently or not wanting to be my friend or um, judging me because you know I have this attraction and you know these last few months I've Gained a lot more confidence in myself, and i't I know it's <laughs> um, and I've wanted to help others that are in the same spot, and that's the reason why I've started making these videos too, because it it's for suicide awareness because there's so many members in the church that feel that they have to choose one side or the other. And a lot of members are in a very dark place. And at the end of the day, it's, I feel that gay couples belong in church. And I feel that anyone would agree that they would rather have those gay couples in church rather than, Individuals in their graves, because that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. It's these people feel like, okay, I I either have to give up these feelings that will never go away, or I give up these beliefs that I've held on to like my whole entire life. And I find it very Unfair and you know, the best thing that you know, members can do is you know, just keep showing their support. Um, don't show judgment to you know, and not just the LGBTQ community, but anyone in general. And, um, yeah, I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of all our listeners, Jordan, just thanks for your courage to share so much of your story. It takes real courage to just share everything you shared and to just let us understand your journey a little bit. And there's a lot of people that just would love to reach out of the microphone, and give you a big hug right now. <clears throat> um, I think you've done, I love that you dated women. I love that you got engaged. I love that engagement day was the best day of your life, but I, and you've just tried to do what you've wanted to do your whole life is to just marry a woman, have a family. That's what, you know, Latter-day Saints want growing up. And, and that was within my control and my wife's control. And we have married straight kids. It's in their control. And they've been able to have that dream become a reality. And I recognize there's some straight people that dream hasn't become a reality. They just haven't found the right partner. It's not about sexual orientation. It's just about not finding the right partner. But for you, you've worked really hard. <laughs> and I love your engagement. And I love your courage to call that off. That's not a vote. Listeners, everybody calls off their engagement if they get in a tough spot or if they feel it. But I think you just recognize this was different than um, engagement jitters. This was about, you know, just long-term compatibility issues that partly were around or mostly around your sexual orientation. And you seem like you've been a pretty stand-up guy your whole life. Um, where there's not much of a roadmap or much of an owner's manual or not a lot of people that have walked before you to know exactly how to do this. So I admire you coming out to your parents, your mission president. I hope people listen to Jordan. He came out to his girlfriend, the one you got engaged to early in the relationship. And I just, I recognize that there's, that that's happening more and more with your generation, that you recognize that as you're exploring the relationship, you're going to be authentic. And I, and that's something that, in fact, I've sometimes meet with people more my age. I'm nearly 60 and, you know, very few did that in the dating relationship. They were mostly told that this would just go away once they got married It'd sort of be straight. And this, this would Past them, and it hasn't. Um, but so that's what I admire about you talking to your fiance, and I admire you still have a relationship with her, and and that her parents still text you. And that was an incredibly hard experience for you and her and your families. And to me, that's just owning the gospel of Jesus Christ and being kind and loving and supporting each other and and wanting the best for each other, not looking at someone as the villain or the bad guy, and just realizing this was really a complex situation. And here and just moving forward, I um I'm in a parent group with uh, LDS parent group with LGBTQ kids. They invited me in there, and I've learned a lot from them. But they worry about their their kids that are starting to date because there's just there's just not a very good roadmap or a very good owner's manual. And there's a lot of, as you're sharing pretty honestly, a lot of difficult potential pitfalls of that road. And I I love that you just had enough self-awareness and enough understanding of Jordan to say, I that's not me. I, I love the church and I want to be a part of the church. And I I would like to spend my life with a man. And those two things are sort of not reconcilable in some ways, but in other ways they are. He just said I I'm gonna I'm gonna own my future. I'm gonna own this and I'm gonna I'm gonna participate in the church as much as the church will let me and I'm gonna hope find a man sometimes and I'm doing a lot of talking, but sometimes when people they just you know they they sort of get at a point where they can't come back or don't know how to come back or they think they've gone too far, but I love the way you just you know met this guy and he reminded you of what you really wanted deep down inside, and that you could have both of those and even though maybe you don't know how that completely works, participating in the church, you're, I hope we always make you feel welcome, so yeah, I mean, keep sharing more of your story, yeah,
1: um. Just kind of touching on some more of that relationship. And uh, before I get into that, I I just also want to mention that I feel like I've got a very strong relationship with Heavenly Father because even in my time, like being inactive with the church, I was still constantly praying. My prayers are very vulnerable Mm -hmm. because I figured you know god yeah. knows what i'm doing anyways so there's no reason in trying to hide it and i've i'm constantly asking and like you know am i on the right path like am i doing the right thing like god i'm dating men and like i've don't necessarily feel guilty about it and i know it goes against this and this but you know i'm also happy right now. This is, you know, the happiest I have been. And because I'm not hiding who I am and I'm not trying to bring down that part of me anymore. And I you know, people don't understand that. That's like I I have faced a little bit of backlash. Not too much, but a little bit where people just They feel that I can't preach Christianity if I'm, you know, dating men. And I find that, you know, hard to believe because, you know, here I am doing it. But I just, I just feel that God will always love me no matter what. If, because I look at my own parents and, I look at the type of love that they show for me on a daily basis. I'm always welcomed in their home. And they've never in any way tried shutting me out. And, you know, we preach about how God is love. And if God's love is anything like my own father or mother's love, then. I imagine when it's my time to go back to him that he'll greet me with open arms. Whether I stay single or marry a man, I don't see my relationship with him going down the drain because I chose to be with someone I care about. And I just, I have a really hard time understanding how he could, you know, damn someone because, because of that. And I know, I know it's, I mean, it's again, it's a very complex area and I'm not trying to say that I know everything about it. It's This is just how I feel. And I, I feel there's more to it than what's been revealed. And again i i don't know what it is i but i hope i have high hopes for the future and no um again just going back to my relationship with this guy it's it was like a whole new like story for me it was this time of dating him like, was the happiest I had ever been in my life. And I didn't see that as sin. And because, you know, at the end of the day, I know God wants me to be happy. You know, I'm doing my best to, you know, follow his commandments. And this is just an area that, you know, that, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. Um, and not everyone's going to understand that because they're not the ones living that, you know, one, I've one of my, one quote that I go by is treat people with kindness. And that's something I look at because, you know, we don't know, the path that people are on. We don't know what they've gone through their entire life in order to get where they are at today. And it's a constant, something I'm constantly telling myself, just, you know, treat people with kindness, just love and support people where they're at, because at the end of the day, they're the ones that make their own choices and, and, You know, you can give your advice, but they're the ones that choose whether or not they'll listen to you or not. And so, I mean, my advice is just show your love, show your support. And, you know, just be that friend, be that loved one in their life, because that's that's what they'll remember is what you do for them and not, you know, things you say because it's all about action not about the words
0: in my opinion i you know i'm reflecting on that relationship that did end but it was a really healthy relationship um and i just you know it goes back to being in my ysa assignment and i'm not a marriage and family therapist but i just think relationships that bring out the best in each other, that help each other fulfill their dreams, that are honest and vulnerable, where one's not permanently the rescue and one's rescuer. Um, at times in a healthy relationship, both need to rescue, but it can't be just where one's the savior and always helping. I think it's, you know, the word synergy that somebody taught me a long time ago, one plus one equals three. And that's the beauty of a healthy relationship. And my wife and I have that we're deeply in love and deeply committed to each other. And that's been part of our marriage for over 30 years. But I recognize what this this last relationship did for you. And he helped you see your inner dreams again. Yeah. Um, and he helped you and he was safe for you to be able to share your inner dreams with, even though it was hard to do that at times with the community you're connecting with. And I and I I love all these experiences you've had. I love that you dated women. And I like that you're engaged and actually went far enough down that road and did everything you can and I I'd still encourage you to keep the door open. I think you are that you could fall in love with a woman. But I think you've I just probably would more that I'd say with that. I'd say this. I trust you. And I'll leave that between you and heavenly Father and the and uh, my job is not to prescribe. Maybe my job at times is to gently invite as a trusted friend, but my job isn't to prescribe, and my job then isn't to withhold love um, or enact judgment. My job is just support you as you make your way forward on a road that I don't understand. And I think a lot of being a Christian, back to that comment, is to me— You know, Elder Ashton talks about the. I put this in the book. The way we can tell we're progressing spiritually is how we treat each other. I I look at our beautiful restored doctrine, and I think, how do I and all the things we know? How do I make that active in my life? To me, the outward manifestation of that is how I treat other people. And like that testimony I referenced at the beginning of the podcast, you know, what should we be known for? The way we love each other. And I think we have a foundation in our church to be able to love people because of our doctrine understanding that we're all brothers and sisters from the same human, the same heavenly father, the same heavenly mother, and all chose the same plan in the premoral life. And we're here to support and help each other. And we know that judging is not part of our responsibility, but our responsibility is to love. So I hope that if you're that gay couple that walks into work and to church, Jordan, Everybody's walking to church with, you know, the churches. And I just hope we see you for who you are and help you feel welcome because um, there's a lot of ways to live life if, you know, you're not, you know, if you're going to go down this path of marrying men. And one is to totally separate yourself from the church, from God, to maybe be bitter and angry and be a, a critic of the church. And there's off, you know, ch- and I don't want to get too much into that. But another way is to do it the way you're trying to do it. Um, you made five covenants in the temple. When you went through the temple, if you marry a man, you could still keep four of them. We've never quite put it like that. Um, but you could keep none of them because you can't keep one or you've chosen not to keep one. And I, uh, you can still keep four. And I think there's blessings for keeping those four. And in that fifth one, I think you can do that lots of different ways. This is not me really talking to you, it's more talking to listeners. You could do the club scene, have multiple partners. That's one way not to keep that covenant. Another way is just to have a long term, monogamous, committed relationship. Um, And that's another way to do that. Yeah. Technically, um, you're not keeping the covenant either way that you made in the temple. We'll just, that's true but there's just different ways to not keep that covenant. And in my gray matter brain, I just recognize the pragmatic nature of how to, how you can or can't do that. And so, you know, I think you're wired that you want to stay close with your heavenly parents and the church. And I hope we make that easier for you by just helping you feel our love for you and that we're better off with you and we see your gifts and contributions and we just leave um, any judging to our savior and we help you feel welcome. There's I've always felt listeners. And I said this before the, the gate um, is wide at the congregation level. There shouldn't be a belief or behavior hurdle to feel welcome in a, in a Latter-day Saint congregation. There is a narrowing at the gate that occurs at the temple. There's a bunch of questions that were asked, some on behavior, some on belief, they're kind of divided into two things. Um, and, you know, I think it's, and that's, Maybe the beauty of our church is, you know, you should feel welcome in a congregation. There shouldn't feel like there's a temple recommend question at the er, at the beginning of walking in the chapel where we, in an official way or in an way, unofficial way, cause people to not feel welcome. Because I think you're going to do better in life staying connected with your Heavenly Father. I think he will continue to love you and give you personal revelation, know how to walk your road. So that's partly me talking to you and partly talking to listeners. More thoughts from you. We've still got some more time. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, don't, I just And I want to talk about when you were, I think you used the word promiscuous. I think that's when Satan has his most influence. I think he he cause I mean, he wins when we sin. And I think he really wins. When he can put in your mind, you are in that faraway land, you're the prodigal son, you can't come back and you have gone too far, whatever that is in your mind or you have you've turned you know, all the narratives you could put in your head to say I'm no longer worthy of God's love. the atonement doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm an embarrassment to my family, I'm embarrassed to my faith. I've turned my back on what I taught on the mission. all those thoughts that could come into your brain, um, to me, that's all about Satan trying to keep you away from, the, from returning and he caused you to think the atonement doesn't apply to you or that you, you know or that you're adding to the Savior's burden if you actually start to repent, he's paid the price. I think he's actually happy when we repent because we're taking advantage of a gift that he's already given. Um, the prodigal son is introduced by the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. For I think a reason because our Savior rejoices when we come back. Um, you and me make each other. If I offend you or you offend me, I may make you grovel. I may give you the cold shoulder. I think the Savior just loves. So I love that part of your story, Jordan. Is that you knew our doctrine well enough and knew Christ's love for you and heavenly parents that you knew you could come back, and you knew that you wouldn't come back different. And that your life future wouldn't be changed. You just knew that this would be part of your journey. And that experience, why there was sin involved in it, would help you clarify what you wanted to do going forward. And I know that for our own kids, when our own kids learn from their experiences, that's the thing that makes me happy as a parent. Anyway, so I think you've done a really good job. Well, thank <laughs> so you. So yep. now I'm going to turn officially back to you. Yeah. No, it's, that was definitely
1: something that I had questioned myself like, um, you know, cause I feel everyone feels that when they make mistakes or when they do sin, they, Oh, I'm the exception to not being forgiven. And, you know, for me, I, like, I didn't really feel too much of that. Like I knew that I would be able through repentance to, you know, ask God for forgiveness for, period of time, you know, I look back on that time and I, you know, I just kind of just, Oh, okay. why'd I do that? No. And, but part of me is, you know, grateful for it too because those experiences have gotten me to where I am today. And I feel, you know, I feel things happen for a reason and I feel like I was meant to know some things from those experiences that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And, you know, I, without, like, again, without all of that, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I don't know if maybe I'd still be in a very dark place if it hadn't been for this experience in that dark place, if that makes sense. It does and so i just know that's definitely a part of my life that i don't want to go back to and i just i just want at this point to move forward and you know find someone who i can go to church with who i can who who wants a relationship with heavenly father just as much as i do who wants to start a family and You know, I have high hopes for that future and I I feel lucky where I'm at with my family and my friends who have supported me through my years of dating women and through this time of dating men and I couldn't have done it without them and... It's they're a big part of the reason why like I choose to have like this relationship with the church if because if I had had a negative relationship with my parents or my family, I may have you know associated that those feelings with the church, and I may have then pushed myself away, and you know, like many in the gay community. Would have, wouldn't want anything to do with it. You know, so I'm here because I want to normalize, you know, gay couples in the church because everybody has a place at church. And, you know, no matter what you've done, like, God, you know, still loves you. God will always be your heavenly father. You know, you can't do anything to change that and you know like any parent he'll always want you to come come home and um i yeah and i just i love where i am right now i'm like i'm in a place where i know what i want with my life and i know and I just I want a relationship with heavenly father I want a relationship with a man and I want to continue my relationship with my family and friends and I know many may not agree with all of that but you know, that's the choice that I've made and all I can ask from you is like your love your support and
0: yeah, That's great. That's a great concluding statement. And um, I love to hear people's hopes. I think one of the things that you felt safe to do is to share your hopes. And I've always felt like that's a cool thing for anybody to do is that you're a safe enough person for them that they'll share their hopes with you. And even if you don't quite know how their hopes fit into everything that you hope for somebody or in this case, the doctrine of our church, I think it's okay to fill people's hopes and, and just help them feel their support. I, I do recognize there's a lot of pain in people that have left our church, and, um, and that then turns into anger, a secondary emotion that gets directed, as you pointed out, towards family, friends, the church. And I, I love that you don't feel as much of that, and we're making progress, perhaps for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints to feel less pain of coming from their families and faith communities and seeing them instead of this outside group of people that poses a threat as our own people that are walking a pretty complicated road that they didn't choose and can't unchoose. And so our job, the burden has really shifted to us um, to help you feel loved and supported and leave any judgment for what you feel is the best path for you to our heavenly father and his perfect understanding. I love, I think you are in a good place, Jordan. I've always felt like, you know, for the YSAs as they were trying to find their partner, I always thought it was best that they were in about the best place that they could be in and, but not necessarily hold off dating until they sort of become perfect. But I think dating and just making, moving forward often helps you get in the spot you are right now your very best personal self with the best clarity about who you are and where you're going. And you have a great life ahead of you. And if your parents are listening, I think you've done a great job raising Jordan and your mission president and your family and just loving this wonderful, good man who really just wants to serve people and feel a belonging in his church and his family and our community so that he can get back and help us become the people that we need to become. So this is a Sunday afternoon. We're recording. You may be listening to this on a non Sunday, but um, thank you, Jordan. This is Jordan Jasmer and Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.